0: You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for
1: and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies.
2: Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row Podcast, the Rockies affiliate of SB Nation. I am your early morning host here, is recording Scattered Timmons, joined by my fellow early
1: birds, Mac Wilcox. Yeah, man, we woke up nice and early for this one. This is the this is the rooster recording, <laughs> and Evan Lang. I oh, don't know. It was nine
0: o'clock that early. It is for me on an off day. Fair enough, but sometimes yeah. we
1: record at 10 o'clock, and that's not that much later. I guess, but even so, man, I, I like to wake up at like noon on days that I don't have to work. Yeah. That's like prime for me. I can't blame you there. I'm also a known scumbag, so that might be part of it, oh, too. that's not true.
2: <laughs> that we know of. That we know of. It's an unknown known scumbag. <laughs> Indeed. Well, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, just more or less a lot of news and transactions, a lot of movement around on the roster. We had a terrible, uh, not-so-great start to our homestand that the Rockies will finish up uh, by the time this podcast is up and you're hearing it. But we had a rough go of it against the Royals and the Giants, so we'll talk about some of that. And then in the later half of the show, we'll talk about some of our one of the best bullpen relievers that we have this year in Tyler Kinley and prepping for the road ahead as the Rockies will get ready to go on a seven-game road trip out to the Pirates and the Nationals, so plenty to talk about. But since it is early morning recording for us, uh, we usually do these around noon other times, but nice and early today. Uh, icebreaker, if the Rockies were a breakfast food, what would they
1: be? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <Such> <laughs> so I'll start with Matt.
1: <laughs> Such a good question. I think the Rockies are pancakes because when they're made well, it's just like the most delicious thing in the world, and nothing beats it. But pancakes that come out that are subpar can really be uh, gross and not a lot of fun to consume. And in that way, the Rockies can be like that sometimes. So that's my pick is pancakes.
2: That's a pretty good pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they're, when they're made well, it's nice and fluffy and yeah. everything. But then either... Makes like... you feel good inside exactly or if they're homemade you maybe put in too much salt or something mm-hmm. and they go super
1: flat and rock hard exactly just but, like the rockies pancakes taste differently when they're made at different elevations <laughs> it's a thing i'm telling you there you go yep what about those, <laughs> what um, you think? those japanese it. like
0: super super fluffy pancakes that they have oh so good so good y'all got me
1: wanting pancakes yeah, i haven't had, eaten yet i haven't had breakfast yet either yeah, man, I'm gonna make some pancakes after this.
2: How <laughs> about, all right, Evan? How about you? What's your answer?
0: See, I'm gonna say a breakfast burrito with green chili. That's so specific. The, the green chili is the Colorado aspect of it, but basically, no one, no one will say no to a breakfast burrito. Like, true. Just like, generally, no one says no to a Rockies game, even when we're bad. That stadium's still relatively full, but you still know a, a subpar breakfast burrito when you have one. Like, if that mm. green chili just soaked through a little bit too much and the tortilla's all soggy and... Ugh.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> it's
1: breakfast
0: burrito. That
2: That's a pretty good answer.
1: It is a pretty good answer, especially with the green chili part. I like that. People exactly. still eat it, but they're not necessarily going to enjoy it all the time. You don't love it. I can dig that.
2: No, sometimes it goes in well. And sometimes the after effect is not so well, so... <laughs> That's just speaking from experience. Anyways, <laughs> it's, facts. it's facts. I think for me, I'll, I'll just go something simple because this is what I eat most mornings anyway, is just you know, a pantry of cereal. You know, Some days they're like a really nice, delicious bowl of like peanut butter crunch or something. And then other days they're just raisin bran. Mm. So you, know, you, you get a different flavor all the time, but at the end of the day, it's still cereal. Mm-hmm. You'll consume it because it's there. Nice and easy, and so it's kind of how it is. Home Rockies, Road Rockies, whatever content they have coming out, kind of fits well with cereal, but... There you go.
0: The Road Rockies are grape nuts. <clears throat> yeah. What is your favorite cereal, Skylar?
2: Uh, it varies a lot, but I eat a lot oh, of Captain sure. Crunch. Or you know, Nice. I'm a very sugary cereal person, so... <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: I am not sure. surprised by that, honestly. I'm a Fruit Loops guy myself.
2: That's good
1: stuff. I'm gonna Man, I'm gonna do the plug cereal. for
0: the for the regional bagged cereal variant marshmallow medias. Oh yeah, oh those are classic. Ugh. Nice and cheap too. I hate. But I never M-80s. have them with milk. They're usually just like a, a, pour a cup full of them and eat them dry kind of
1: cereal. Okay, now that is
0: psychotic. Nah, because the <laughs> that's, once you mix it with unhinged. milk, the cereal pieces don't taste like anything, and the marshmallows basically disintegrate. So it's, the it's best not part. worth it. <laughs> Now, if you're You've asking some... me what cereal I'm going to put in milk, uh, Honey Bunches of Oats. Uh, honey stuff is delicious, too. <laughs> cereal podcast. Indeed. Yeah, we've, we've moved on from Spider-Man to Batman to cereal.
1: We're varied like that.
2: It works. It <laughs> works, because cereal's <laughs> delicious. Anywho's, we'll keep moving on uh, here and get into the action here. So news and transactions. It's been a little bit busy week. Had some movement. Antonio Sensatella has been put on the 15-day injured list. With this is really absurd, but this never happens to the Rockies this year, with a back injury. Hmm. Why it's their backs? Who knows? It's an odd one, but looks like it, Justin. It l- is.
1: It's very odd. It's so strange that it's like such a recurring theme. Like I'm sure it's just random, but just like what a strange issue to keep running into with player after player from different positions and different like you know veteran status just like everyone having back issues like what's the like are the seats on the plane like that awful like i don't know yeah, That's just like so, this, it's so at weird at this
0: point you need to stop and be like what is this team doing wrong but everybody's back For is real. getting mixed, messed up
1: because like that
0: first road trip where you know it's the, it's the first major road trip of the season you know they booked a, a not so great hotel or whatever fine but then you can't make that same road that same excuse for the second road trip and then you can especially not make that excuse when it's happening at home as well Mm. so strange
2: yeah so it it may be just something they're tweaking it while they're exercising and and whatnot so Mm. uh, the, the rocky staff will probably just have to keep an eye on that and make any adjustments maybe find a common thread of what's hurting these guys whether it's from their lifting or whatever it may be that they're the the players are tweaking something as they're doing their workouts and whatnot Mm -hmm. but so absurd but as a result Justin Lawrence is back which good for
0: him yeah that's that's great but it's it's so frustrating with Senza Taylor because he was in that start against the Giants he was off to a really good start two scoreless innings only one hit three strikeouts that's excellent from Senzatela. That's a a Senzi who's looking to go long into the ball game and then during warm-ups for the third inning, he does a a practice pitch and steps and then immediately calls for the trainers and it's like, what is happening? And then we gotta go to the bullpen, which has been unfortunate and we ended up losing that game. And you gotta wonder what that game might have looked like if Senzatela had been able to go a little bit longer because he was off to a fabulous start. Yep.
2: Indeed. No. It, 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 him definitely going on the injured list right now also throws a wrench in the plant. So they brought up another reliever in Justin Lawrence. But now there's only really four starters in that rotation. And right now it works with their off day they had on Thursday. They can stick with just four guys right now for this weekend series against the Mets. But the Rockies don't have another off day until June 6th. So who knows what happens with Sensatella when he's able to come back off that 15-day injured list. But who who do you think will f- take his spot in the rotation in the meantime? Do they call up Ryan Feltner again? Does Ty Block get some action and s- like an opener or even getting a start here or there? Well, what do you think happens here with this
0: rotation?
1: Hmm, Evan, go ahead, because I got to think on this.
0: I don't know. I feel like... Block has been so hit or miss out of the bullpen that I would be hesitant to say, yeah, that's the guy who I'd go to for a spot start. Same with uh, Jolice Chassin, who was really solid last year and has really just not been very good this year. Um, my go-to would probably be Ryan Feltner, who's putting together a fairly solid campaign down in Triple-A Albuquerque, especially with the with the strikeouts where down in AAA, he's got 41 strikeouts across seven starts and an ERA of 4.08. A lot of that ERA down in Albuquerque, and and let's start with saying that 4.8 is honestly a pretty solid ERA for someone pitching in the PCL. It's uh, the hitter's paradise. But he basically only ever goes five innings. He only has one start this year where he's gone past five innings, and he went 5.1 innings. And his last two starts specifically his last one on May 14th versus uh, Sugar Land was was not great where in that five innings uh, five earned runs and uh, six hits not ideal but the rest of his body of work I think is solid enough that you would consider bringing him up especially when in terms of pitchers on the 40-man roster there are really no other reinforcements I think the next man up Who's on the forty would be Noah Davis in AAA, Hart- in uh, pardon me, Double A Hartford, and that would be a huge mistake.
2: Yeah, and, yeah. and Peter Lambert's still a ways off, you know, figuring out his arm issues and everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Lambert mm. threw that. He threw that inning in um, in Albuquerque for rehab. Uh, earlier this week, and looked pretty solid. Uh, He gave up an earned run and and walked some batters, but he had two really nice-looking strikeouts that um, gives me a little bit of confidence in his recovery, but it's going to take a while for him to get stretched out. He really hasn't pitched this year, and he only threw one inning, so he's not a guy that we can go to at this point. So honestly, unless you call out Feltner, the answer has got to be Ty Block, despite the fact that, he's not really i think sitting at a point where he's who you'd want to pull in he's got an area of 568 in 10 appearances uh 19 innings 13 strikeouts and his last couple times out he's he's not been great
1: yeah what's what's such a shame about that is that like if he wasn't hurt the, I think the pretty clear answer would be Ryan rollison but obviously rollison still Got that shoulder issue that's kept him on the injured list so far this year. So I frankly have very little to add to this. I think Evan pretty much nailed it. Uh, Feltner is probably the move unless you want to have Ty block open. And I'm just not sure having an opener right now is the move. I think it'd be good to get Feltner an opportunity at the big league level just to get out there and make a major league start. Even if it goes poorly, even if you get knocked around a little bit, at least you're, you're still out there getting experience in a big league setting. It's good for guys like that. So I think I would probably prefer to have a Feltner start, but I also I could see the Rockies choosing not to, and I could see them kind of going with the tie block opener for just a game. I don't love openers. I think it's just a, a wear on your bullpen, especially for the Rockies, whose bullpen has not been very efficient recently, especially. So I don't love that idea, but, you know, maybe they don't want to burn an option or something like that. So I would imagine that, uh, just like Evan pointed out those two scenarios are the most likely by far
0: i mean the bright side with felty is that he's already made a spot start for the rockies this year um he made a spot start when we were in philadelphia on that road trip and he didn't do that bad for you know a rookie getting called up for what his third ever major league start Mm -hmm. uh seven strikeouts two walks four earned runs across five innings pitched like for what it's worth he kept the rockies in that game and and, their and did basically get every... them out of it, <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. Ugh. But then he d- he did basically everything you'd want to, you'd want your your rookie spot starter to do. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's a good point. I I will say the one thing with Ty Block is I wouldn't mind. I'd be okay with him getting the spot start. Um, the only issue with that is he hasn't really been lengthened out. His longest outing has been four innings, and that was on back against uh, the Dodgers on April 10th, the third game of the season. He pitched the last four innings to get a save and only allowed one hit, four strikeouts. But, yeah, it, he's kind of that three innings long reliever guy now, but I wouldn't mind seeing him get a chance to, to make a start. He, we saw what he could do starting games in spring training, but, yeah, that, we he'd more or less be an opener for those anyway because in his last outing, May 16th, Three innings, you no, know, he allowed four runs on three hits, uh, So, and he struggled with home runs. That was his issue in that one. But otherwise, he's been fairly solid. Those, he's only had those two clunker outings April 23rd. He gave up four runs on five hits in two-thirds of an inning, and then May 16th, four runs on three hits. But other than that, he's been fairly solid out of that bullpen um, and whatnot.
0: I would say the, the issue with Block is that you sort of don't know what you're going to get from him, whether it's a long appearance or a short appearance, because yeah, those two really bad clunkers. But then also on April 19th, he went one inning and gave up two runs. Uh, May 3rd, he went three innings and gave up two runs. His, his ERA sort of skyrocketed right off the bat after that, um, that outing against Detroit. And that was the outing where the Rockies got blown out 13 to nothing. Um, So honestly, it's tricky like, there, there's really not much of a quote-unquote good answer here.
2: I, I think the part, and we can talk about this another time. This is for another episode when we can really dive into it. But I think looking at Rockies' FIPS, FIPs or whatever, are a lot more indicative of how our pitchers are performing because the Rockies' defense has just been so atrocious mm-hmm. this season for some weird reason. Oof. And I think... Everybody's been affected by that. So while he has a 568 ERA right now, his FIP is 4.57. So I think he's he's doing better than what you know, what some of the numbers indicate, along with a lot of our other pitchers. It's just that defense has really been struggling. But it'll be interesting Absolutely. to see what they do to, to fill in that spot. They'll definitely do some more roster gymnastics and whatnot. But hopefully Senzatella can get back quickly off the 15-day I.L., Slot right back in, and whatnot. But who knows? But yeah, that, that moving right along, tough. yes, and we'll we'll get into that another time perhaps. Uh, but moving right along, we had another swap here uh, in the catching department. Dom Nunez has been sent down. Brian Servin called the right ba- or called up, made his debut uh, in a you know, a new backup catcher swap. Uh, I guess the, the big thing for Dom Nunez, kind of struggling at the big league level all around, and I think they, they set him down just so we can get some more regular playing time and get back into a groove because he hasn't played much with Elias Diaz behind the dish. So Dom Nunez, maybe a start once a week, maybe twice a week, not getting much action. So they send him down to Albuquerque, bring bring up Brian Servan, uh, who debuted, didn't get a hit, but hey, that's okay. But thoughts on the the Dom Nunez transaction?
1: It had to happen. Um, And I know that's pretty cold because Dom Nunez is somebody that the Rockies have invested a pretty significant amount of time in as someone that they believed could be a Major League starting catcher or just at least a a contributor at the Major League level. But it's just not happening right now. 28 at-bats in the season, which is obviously not the largest sample size in the world, but 143 average OPS of 457, two RBI, no homers, obviously. He has really struggled uh, so far in this season um, in those 48 at-bats. He's uh, only struck out seven times, so he's seeing the ball halfway decently. Um, but, I was using 28 at-bats. So he's not, like, striking out all that much, really. But, like, I mean, a little more than you'd like, but... It's just not lifting the ball at all. You know what I mean? Like he's just—he's not really getting a lot of uh, good launch angle out of that. And like we mentioned a couple times now, the defense hasn't been spectacular either. Um, so I, I think that Dom Núñez is a guy that right now is just really on the fringe of being almost like one of those quadruple A players. And I know that sounds really harsh as I said, because they've invested so much time in him. And we've seen the power, right? We've seen the the capabilities that he has in the past to absolutely blast baseballs out to, you know, right field when he pulls them. But right now it's just not there. Um, and with the Rockies offense kind of struggling these last few games, or, you know, why not get Brian Servant an opportunity at the big league level? Why not give a guy a chance to get up there and kind of, Show me something. You know what I mean? I'm not sure they're gonna stick with Serving for all that long, especially if Nunez can find his swing down in AAA. I think they might make that switch again before too terribly long. But it's sort of a uh it's sort of a why not move. You know what I mean? Like you mm-hmm. gain you gain an opportunity to get a look at a guy that hasn't seen any major league playing time, and at worst you get an opportunity to have Dom Nunez get some, you know, good swings underneath him at the Triple A level and bring him back up. So yeah, you know, it's one of those ones where I definitely feel for Dom. I, I think he has potential. I think there is a lot of pop in that bat. But yeah, to this point in the season, like I said, 28 at bats is not the largest sample size, but it's definitely something that I think is going to help him, you know, in his confidence and hopefully get him back in the big league team. Sooner than later, one hopes.
2: Yeah, that's I think that's the hit the nail on the head there. He, you just need him to to find that swing again find some consistency because at least Diaz has been kind of scuffling as of late. And so when you have both of your catchers scuffling, uh, it, it's not a good time. And Nunez, exactly. we've seen him struggle on both sides of the ball. Defense has kind of been iffy mm-hmm. at times, which is a common third for this team. Right now, across the board, but (laughs) go get him some action down in AAA, fine-tune some things, and hopefully you'll get right back into it and call him back up, because then it gives
1: you a nice platoon, too, left-handed right bat. Exactly. And I think that's what they're looking at, is that idea of having the left-handed catcher and a right-handed catcher. Of course, you're not going to move Diaz. He is clearly the starter uh, behind the plate. He's entrenched as their main guy. So in that sense, yeah, go ahead and get Nunez some time to sort of recenter himself.
0: Yeah, the the thing with Dom Nunez, and I love Dom, um, but he's very much a three-true-outcomes kind of hitter. Totally. Where he's going to strike out, he's going to walk, or he's going to hit a home run. And we saw that last year where in 228 at-bats he hit 189 but had 10 home runs and also you know 12 doubles, 3 triples his his whole thing is really that extra base uh ability that he hasn't really displayed this year he has one double and it's awesome that he is his plate discipline is incredibly improved like that is something to praise dominion for immensely he spent some time playing winter ball this year and really working on that plate discipline and it's clearly paying dividends he's seeing the ball better and he is having much more discipline at bats. The issue is that he is either putting the ball on the ground or flying out. Uh, he's got a fly ball percentage of 43.5 for his batted ball outcomes and a ground ball percentage of 30.4, uh, versus that line drive percentage of, of just 17.4. He's getting, um, solid exit velocity, not great, but about on par with what he had last year around 85 and his hard hit percentage is actually up from last year. Um, almost 35 percent so you can see the potential there of he really needs to sort of if anything maybe lower the launch angle a little bit because he's flying out so often and he's got to get more line drives than to get those extra base hits because he's got solid speed too he used to be a middle infielder so you know that he can he can leg out those those extra base hits in addition to the home runs and another thing that he's really doing is that he's got basically nothing in terms of putting it in the opposite field. Almost all of his uh, batted ball outcomes are either being pulled or going straight to center. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Mac, you're absolutely right that sending him down and and giving him some time where he's going to be pretty much the everyday starter down in Albuquerque uh, at catcher right now is, is good for him to really fine tune and sort of see if he can, he can make some adjustments that, would uh, would help him out on the major league level because during spring training he was he was really pretty good this year. Uh, where in uh, 26 at bats, so just two less than he's had so far this season. Uh, slash 385, 385,
1: 500. Pretty great breakdown right there, man.
2: <laughs> Indeed it is. But yeah, so hopefully Nunez can figure it out, and best luck to Brian Servin. Make the most of the time that he's got now. Uh, really quick, we won't have to dive into this. Uh, Ashton Godot was also sent down. He's had a rough season uh, going so far. And so Chris Bryant likely to be reinstated. We don't know officially that move yet at time of recording, but that's pretty much the move they're making. Uh, Bryant was down in Albu- with Albuquerque, played two rehab games against the Salt Lake Bees in Utah, and went two for seven, had a double, Pretty, pretty simple. <laughs> so it'll be good to have Bryant back in the lineup, and hopefully Godot can, you know, kind of fix himself because he had a good end of 2021, and a nice start to 2022, and then he just kept getting roughed up. At least giving up a run in every outing that he's had, mm-hmm. you know, since like the the middle of middle of April. So mm-hmm. to him, but the ever evolving bullpen and roster, but. We'll always keep you updated on Purple Row, all the roster moves and whatnot, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but real quickly here, I'm going to just talk about Rockies had their homestand. Uh, took, what was it, one of three against the Royals and took one of whatever against the Giants. But the Giants had 12 straight wins against the Rockies, which was some sort of record, which was dated back to the end of the 2021 season. They lost 12 straight to the Giants, Giants had recorded at least 10 hits in pretty much all of those games that they played. So I just wanted to ask, like, why do we struggle so much against the Giants? What is it that makes the Giants so good that we just can't figure them out?
0: The Giants a are question, an but... extremely disciplined team when it comes to their at-bats. They draw a lot of walks. We saw a lot of walks happen over um, this homestand against the Giants. They don't strike out that often. Uh, Kyle Freeland's eight strikeouts against the, the Giants on uh, on Wednesday was really impressive. But that was sort of abnormal for that Giants team. They are really good at, and there's a whole bunch of good veteran hitters on that team that see the ball well and are able to just put it in play. And and that's, that's one of the things that they do better than any other team. And I think for a a team that is largely pitched to contact in the Rockies, you know, we have a couple outliers, guys like you know, Erman, who's a who's a strikeout guy, uh, Chad Kuhl and Austin Gomber, who are a little bit of a mix of both. But it's not a great formula for success when you are pitching to contact against a team that excels at making contact.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a, a recipe for disaster there. <laughs> because it, it, the annoying part is you're sitting there and, you no, know, I can't really watch the games and uh, I don't have as much time to listen to them as well while I'm around doing stuff. I don't think to do it. But it's annoying when my MLB at bat, you no know, the app on my phone keeps buzzing and, oh, single by so-and-so scores two runs. I'm like, oh, geez, I hope they get out of this mm-hmm. inning. And then it just, you know, bombarded with more notification single drives in a run single drives in a run a double drives in two runs I'm like oh my goodness what's happening mm-hmm no so that is I think and I think also you no, know, Mac and I'll let you jump on this too the Giants are just a very smart and well-run team in that front office and you know, we know their analytics you No, know, all their you know the the research and development everything is very top-notch And I think we've seen that in these last two years of their reclamation projects and really taking a team of veterans and aging guys and kind of no-name nobodies and turning them in to the best team in baseball last year. And they're doing it pretty well this year. Yeah.
1: No, you're absolutely right. What's so, you know, what's so interesting about that is you guys have both kind of alluded to the discipline of the two teams. And I think the reason that's so significant is because, like, the Giants' discipline is on all sides of the ball, right? So we've alluded to it a few times in this podcast that the Rockies' defense specifically has been rough, right, this season so far, especially the last few weeks. Ever since that series in Philadelphia, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what has happened, but the Rockies' defense has been rough. The Giants do not make those kinds of defensive mistakes. Uh, Daniel Bard blew two saves in a row because the Giants lineup is so disciplined and they wait for their pitches and they jump on him in uh, those in those early counts. The Rockies were able to get a victory in the last game of their series at the very end of the game because they managed to kind of do some damage against the, uh, the bullpen of the Giants. But to that point, they had really struggled against, I believe it was Logan Webb, and that's been consistent as well. Is that the Giants' rotation in general has really shut down the Rockies, because the Rockies lineup is not as disciplined, and they have a hard time against some of these veteran starters, who know how to work their way around these lineups. So, the Giants right now are in a very good place. The NL West is also disgusting. Let's just be honest. <laughs> that, I mean, it is like that division is so crazy. The Rockies are in last place. As we, or excuse me, the Rockies are a game out of last place. As we record today on Friday morning before games have started, the Rockies are a game under 500. The last place team, Arizona Diamondbacks, are two games under 500. And the team that's in first place, the LA Dodgers, Shocker, are 13 games over 500. So that division is unbelievably stacked. There is no other division in baseball that has a last place team that is two or three games under 500. It's insane. You know, we talk a lot about the AL East being what it is, but it's the NL West, in my opinion, that's the that's the grossest division of baseball as far as just, like, competitiveness between all five teams. The reason I bring that up again is just because I think that it's these little things that the Rockies are, again, undisciplined in, the defense, the bullpen recently, the lineup not scoring a lot of runs. Those are the things that disciplined teams like the Dodgers and like the Giants and like the Mets and like the Yankees are able to overcome. Not that every single game is going to be perfect, of course, but we have consistently seen these issues out of the Rockies these last few weeks, and I think that is the major difference. If the if the Giants have a bad defensive game, more than likely they're going to get that figured out at least by the next series, or if not the next game. Unfortunately for the Rockies, the defensive miscues that we talked a lot about in Philadelphia, while they may have not been as prevalent or as, as much, you know, occurring recently, we're still seeing a lot of the same errors from, unfortunately, guys like Ryan McMahon. Jose Iglesias has had a couple. We've had some weird plays at the plate with wild pitches and things like that. And I think that, it will just come back to the word, you know, start drinking when we start saying it, and now we're saying that so much. But discipline, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's the big difference between good teams and great teams. Yeah, and real quick
0: before we break, I, I love that you bring up the defense again, because if you look at... Specifically, let's look at the NL West. All three of those front-runner teams, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Padres, are well below league average in terms of errors committed by their defense. So league average is sitting at about 21 right now. Uh, Dodgers have only 19 errors on the season. Giants have only 18. And then the Padres have the second least at 14. And then you look at the um, the two teams lagging behind in the NL West and the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. The Rockies have the fourth most errors in the entire league, at 29, and then the Diamondbacks have the most at 33. It's not a coincidence. No, it's not. It's not, and and you combine that with everything else, and it's just it's another thing to look at. Of the Rockies need to be playing so much better than they are, so much more disciplined than they are, if they actually want to stand a chance in this division. And thankfully, the division is still pretty close right now, but you need to keep it from really getting away from you.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, and I, I think the last thing that, I, that really sticks out to me is I think it, again, goes back to something we've talked about the Rockies for years and years is the preparation, the development, like the, the research and analytics department is still, I think, just years behind a lot of these other teams that we're seeing successful because the Giants come in, they're facing Antonio Senzatella. They have a plan. They know he's throwing first-pitch fastballs, and they're jumping on him. You know They're mm-hmm. not missing him. They know exactly what's – it feels like they know exactly what's coming a lot of the time in some of these better teams. So they know, oh, pitch recognition, that ball's outside, I'm not swinging. So they're going to draw their walks and whatnot. They have really good plate discipline, plate vision. And I think a lot of that goes into their analytics department. I you know, those that are there for the Rockies are doing the best they can. Oh you know, They're doing well, but they still need that help. And I think that's something that's still lacking for the Rockies, where they need to flesh out that analytics department to really help boost, prepare the team so they can compete, so they can know that Logan Webb's going to throw this pitch this time is what helped recognize when he's throwing this. All right, now we can smack it. 100%. So a lot of problems with the Rockies, but... They, at least they broke that losing streak against the Giants. Yes.
0: So, yes. 12 games in a row was enough. Yeah, take take in, the small victory of finally breaking the streak of being the first team to get defeated by the Giants 12 times in a row since they moved to San Francisco.
1: Woo! <laughs>
0: Very nice.
2: But yeah, the homestand was frustrating, and hopefully the games against the Mets turn out okay, but... We'll never know. Anywho's, <laughs> we'll go ahead and take a quick break here. And then when we come back, still plenty to talk about. So don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome back to Affected by Altitude. Thanks for sticking through that break. Still plenty to talk about. Uh, to start things off, I have a little announcement to make here. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the Colorado Rockies bullpen.
1: Oh, oh, he came prepared wow. for this. I had no idea. No way. <laughs> we didn't talk about this beforehand. This is just <laughs> happening. This is an actual reaction. That's unbelievable. Tyler Kinley
2: is taking the stand here to tell us about the state of the bullpen, but more so just himself. Uh, shout out to Susie Hunter of DNVR, who's the number one Tyler Kin- president, Tyler Kinley expert. Uh, Shouts to Susie. But... Let's talk about Tyler Kinley uh, we joke about it but he's been very good uh, out of that Rockies bullpen this year as of let's see as of today Friday May 20th he's one and 0 he has a 0.63 era and 14 in the third innings pitched he's given up four runs only one earned thanks to that glorious Rockies defense uh, 10 hits 15 strikeouts, five walks. He has a whip of 1.047. So he's been lights out coming out of that Rockies bullpen, kind of like he was near the end of last year, where he's just the go to guy. You can throw him out almost every day and come in a big situation, lock down an inning. Uh, but, Evan, let's start off with you here. What's impressed you with Tyler Kinley this year?
0: That slider is as good mm. as it's ever been. Uh, this year where he is it's just such a nice looking pitch for him and he, he utilizes it in, in a bunch of different ways um, but that slider of his is um, his put away pitch he's putting away um, 33.3% of batters and 46.8% whiff percentage on that slider and he, he really can kind of pepper it all over the place you can see if you look at his baseball savant page of sort of its general end location of where he prefers to put it. But you can see it break in a majority of different ways and it's really working for him just so well. Um, he, he's basically living 100% strikeout four-seam fastball right now. And, you know, he's thrown like one change up this season and maybe a sinker four times. But the, re- the results have been something you you can't really ignore where he's really only had the one bad game Uh, And that was back April 28th against the Phillies where he walked three and had that four-run, one-earned-run game, um, thanks to some of that Rockies defense in addition to the walks. But he only has two games where he's issued a walk, and that was on opening day where he walked two but still pitched a clean inning and then that three-walk game on April 28th. Every other game, no walks. Every other game, no earned runs. Uh, strikeout almost every inning he's pitched, except for, oddly enough, most of his appearances in May. Uh, only two mm. of his appearances in May so far has he has he ticked a strikeout. But, again, that doesn't really matter if it's working for him. And, and of course, you know, his, his FIP and other metrics sort of suggest more where he's at. I don't think a 0.63 ERA is necessarily sustainable for him at this point. But his FIP is something like 226. And if he's pitching 226 ball... You know, at the end of the season, that's more than you could possibly ask for for really anybody out of the Rockies bullpen, especially with how a lot of things have been going so far this year. And we and we saw this um, with Kinley really in the in the second half of of last year. If you look specifically at like August, uh, August through September, where for the the final two months of the season, he only had. Uh, three multi-run games that he gave up and had a batting average against of like 214 and had uh, 30 strikeouts to eight walks in 27 and one-third innings versus the um, the first half of the season we'll go through like end of July so just past the all-star break he was definitely scuffling where ERA of 554 his batting average against was 230 um 38 strikeouts to 18 walks and that was through like 43 innings. So he was getting more strikeout success in that second half of the season and walking less batters and, and in general just really being a much more reliable bullpen pitcher and that's the Tyler Kinley that we have seen so far in 2022 and I'm all for it especially with how frustrating this bullpen has been a lot of the time Kinley being a really nice bright spot.
2: And, and, yeah, and I think that's what's really good is you have that go-to guy, you who know, rubber arm, you can come down and shut things down and be a you know a place of consistency. We've seen everybody in that bullpen struggle, in one way or another, but then he comes in and he's lights out. Uh, now Mac, it, I think what's really good here for Kinley is you know, his ability of the results he's getting. Like he's not walking people, so he's striking him out. But when guys are hitting the ball, he's getting some
1: pretty good results here. That's exactly right. Um, You know, the very first article that I wrote for Purple Row as part of the Purple Row staff was an article in March of 2021 about uh, Tyler Kinley being the next Rocky shutdown reliever. This is right after we got the news that Scott Oberg was going to be missing some significant time with uh, more blood clot issues. And I wrote an article about Tyler Kinley being the Rockies' next guy to take over that shutdown reliever role. And just like you guys alluded to, in 2021, towards the end of the season, he started to figure out, but in general, he was kind of iffy. Like Evan said, that 4.73 under an average for the season of 2021. But so far, the, the like Evan said, I don't think .63 is sustainable. But yeah, the, the contact that he is getting has been really, really soft, and there's nothing that's really going, you know, into the gaps there hasn't been that many, uh, you know, significant, um, how would I say this? There's no barrels. That's a good way of saying that. There's no big barrels that you're seeing him give up. In his 14 innings at work, only five walks. Love to see the walks coming down a little bit. He's rocking a strikeout uh, per 9 percentage right now of 9.4, which I know, you know, you've got uh, a limited sample size of only 14 and a thirds innings. But even so, just like his strikeout numbers are looking really solid right now. That slider, as Evan said, is looking fantastic. I'm just really liking what I'm seeing out of Tyler Kinley right now. That FIP is the lowest it's ever been in his career, 2.26. There's a lot of things that are working for him. And it's nice, especially now, more than maybe ever, because the Rockies bullpen is kind of iffy at the moment. Alex Colomay, I believe, has still not pitched a clean inning this year. Evan, keep me honest on that. But I believe Alex Colomay has yet to have a 1-2-3 inning, Obviously, Daniel Bard is struggling a little bit, blown a couple saves this past week. We've got guys like Ashton Godot having to go back down to the minor leagues because he's looking kind of iffy. Justin Lawrence is back up, but even he has kind of had some up and down. I mean, he's been solid for sure, but he's kind of had some up and down parts of the season. There's nobody that's really been the shutdown guy out of the Rockies' pen so far, and Tyler Kinley's kind of becoming that guy. Is it sustainable to the degree that it's at right now? No, right? It's not realistic. But if he can continue to keep these positive trends going if he can keep the ball down get some ground balls get some weak pop-ups and things like that that's going to play anywhere course field or on the road or anywhere whatever he's doing right now maybe it's the slider maybe it's a new you know change to his mechanics from last season that I obviously am not privy to whatever he's doing right now is absolutely working and I'm really happy to see it out of him yeah that uh that barrel percentage according to baseball savant is in the
0: 98th percentile of there you go all um all pitchers in the league right now there you and go and his his whiff percentage is really high as well something I like uh 81st percentile for whiff and while he has had some hard contact uh, i think he's got all he's got a hard hit rate of like 42 percent right now when they hit it they're not barreling it like you said and he's keeping the ball down the majority of all of the contact against him is ground balls or line drives uh, only 18.4% fly ball rate. And when you're striking out a quarter of all the batters you face, that's going to play just fine. You're going to be just fine, yep.
2: And just fine. Uh, <laughs> but it's nice is the opponent's opponent slash line, 189 average, 271 on base, 208 slugging. He hasn't given up any home runs as of recording. So he has been that super bright spot, wonderful to have him Know, really take that step forward, leading that bullpen, and you no, know, all I can say is hail to the chief, baby. <laughs> and we'll All play I can him say out. is
0: that I want him to bring back the mustache that he had for a little bit, because for a while he was rocking just the mustache, and you know what? It worked really well for him. It did. It was a good luck. Indeed. And it's like it's really cool that we've we've gotten really good performance out of him because this is a guy who before the the Rockies claimed him off of waivers from the uh Miami Marlins and he had spent pretty much all of 2019 with the Marlins just bouncing back and forth between Triple A and and the big leagues and and really not seeing a a ton of success where he's been mostly a minor league guy and and sort of been all over the place. Um he was with the Twins for a little bit before getting returned to the Marlins as well. And now the Rockies have picked him up and he's had some really, really strong work with this team. Yeah. And that's one of those things where it's like pitchers can succeed with the Rockies. And and that's, it's such a, it's such a, not a misnomer. What's the thing? uh, Misconception. An untrue statement (laughs) that it's impossible for a pitcher to do well with the Rockies. And like even Daniel Bard, like, yeah, he's, he's scuffled a little bit with those two blown saves, but then his save against the, the Giants the other day where Uh, you know, one, two, three inning looked fantastic hitting a hundred on that fastball. Mm -hmm. And, and Kinley is the, the epitome of, you know, he's 31 years old and and hadn't really had much of a career before he hit the Rockies. And now he's having, it looks like a career season. And, And if he can keep that up, this is a guy that I would want to, you know, keep with the Rockies for maybe as long as we possibly can.
2: Yeah, well he's not he's not due to be a free agent until twenty twenty five, so we've got him around for a little while
0: longer. If they if hold That on reminds to him, me of yeah. how Connor Joe's not due to be due to be a free agent till like twenty twenty eight. Time is a weird spectrum. Especially but, in baseball.
2: Yep, it is. <laughs> but we're gonna keep moving along here, but again we'll play out play out our president off of the bullpen stand mound. That's right. salute Chief. you, Tyler. Talent you can't
1: see. Too. This is an audio podcast. We're all saluting right now while that's playing. Yes.
2: There's eagles and jets flying over, probably, too. So.
1: Yeah, there are. The American flag's in the background of, uh, of our uh, <laughs> podcast. You just can't see it right now, but it's there. Oh, whoa, a flyover. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Amazing. And thank goodness for Public Domain Music. That's exactly right. I made sure I checked that before I played it.
0: Um. <laughs> I appreciate that. Otherwise, it's going to be real awkward having to edit that out.
2: <laughs> it's just plain in silence. But moving along here, the Rockies will finish up their home stand this weekend against the against the Mets. So on Monday, when you're hearing this, they'll have begun uh, a seven-game road trip. Road Rockies are back yep. in effect. A little bit better matchup, though. Hopefully, heading out to the east to play, or I guess the central to play the Pirates, and then to the east to play the Nationals. So it, we're all a little weary of Rockies going on the road. Their last road trip uh, was not very good against the Diamondbacks and Giants. So we're going to, to say the least, so we're going to go play some other teams that are kind of scuffling uh, a little bit. But I guess what needs to happen to have a successful road trip here. Now, what's your expectations to have a a rocky successful road trip? The bar is very low, but, no, what what needs to happen? What do they need to focus on to improve to consider this a successful road trip when it ends?
1: Score runs. Seven games against not very good teams. And that's not me, you know, I'm not trying to bash these teams in any way, shape, or form, but Pittsburgh is six games under... There's usually five games under at time of recording, and Washington is 13 games under. Okay? Neither of these teams are very competitive at this time. I would say that for this to be considered a successful road trip, the Rocks have to go four and three. And I know that a game over on a one game seven, or a one trip uh, road trip for seven games, four and three is not all that exciting. But I would say that that would show significant growth in a team that is struggling mightily on the road. I don't think it's that high a bar, but I also think it's very achievable. And I think it is a good first step for a team that is trying to figure things out on the road. Four and three for me. I
0: think that's a totally reasonable expectation, especially because I'm bringing back the defense again. The the Nationals and the Pirates are two of the three teams with more uh, defensive woes than the Rockies are having where um, Diamondback, the Diamondbacks have that 33 and the Rockies have that 29 errors and smack dab in the middle of the two are the Nationals with 32 and the Pirates with 30. So, you know what? the The key to these games for me is playing clean, solid, fundamental baseball. No more yes. weird not taking the ball to the bag yourself for that and missing the double play. No more throwing errors, no fielding errors. If the Rockies can hold themselves to, I'll be I'll be generous and say one error through this road trip, that's a winnable road trip right there. Absolutely. And then of course the bats need to happen.
1: <laughs> what do you got on this, Skyler? What's your what's your what's your barometer for success on the seven game road trip? Uh,
2: hit the ball. I mean, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. my biggest okay. thing. Is you know just string together at bats. You now, this, uh, like we talked about last time, you know, talking about Jose Iglesias being so good on the road with that 400 average on the road, making tons of contact. That's what the team needs to do is just focus on being Jose Iglesias right now on this road trip. Just make contact. Focus on making that contact. I think we that's what helps Sam Hilliard you know, get a little bit better, improve a bit is his at-bats were simplified. You know, he's simplified his approach throughout this season, and it, it's helped improve. He's cut down on strikeouts. His walks are up. You know, he's made more solid contact, took a while, and then he finally, boom, back-to-back games, he hits a home run. And so I think mm-hmm. it's the team needs to do that same exact thing on this road trip is improve that batting average, just make contact and get on base. Because they have a two twenty nine batting average on the road right now in 15 games. they're on-base is 290. So I'd like to see both of those get bumped up. And that means simpler approaches. Put the ball in play, get a base hit, you know, string together those hits, take your walks where you need them, uh, and yep. cut down on the strikeouts. And that, that would be the biggest indicator of success. Then on the other end, I think we can all agree, pitching side two is – well, the pitching has been great, but it's also kind of faltered at times because of all that pressure on them. So when it, everybody's mm-hmm. working in tandem and throwing scoreless innings, limiting runs, and then scoring a ton of runs or scoring more than you usually do. That would be my – Score
0: than any runs.
1: Yeah,
2: score more than zero runs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Skyler, I love what you brought up about playing small ball and just making contact and getting on base. Is we saw a little bit of that. In the the win against the Giants, Um, yes, in sort of what started the the kind of quote unquote rally for the Rockies, winning that game is Connor Joe comes in, gets on base, and Charlie Blackman instead of swinging for the fences, sacrifice bunted with no outs to advance the runner, and that was like exactly the kind of thing that the Rockies have been needing to do is play more more small ball. The home runs are great. But what we've been saying, it's the same about Sam Hillary, and we're starting to see that is the power will come the more consistently you are making contact. hmm mm-hmm. Because power does
2: does you absolutely does absolutely nothing for you if you can't hit
0: the ball. When, and we've seen that yes. a little bit with Elias Diaz, where he has taken some monstrous swings, like swinging out of his shoes to try and just that baseball got to die and I got to be the one to do it. But when he's not putting the bat to the ball in a meaningful way, that power means nothing. He's going to strike out or he's going to, he's going to drive it right into the dirt and it's going to be a ground out or a double play or something like that. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think it will be nice to have Chris Bryant back in the lineup Uh, again. Just, he has a very nice, you know, compact swing to make contact And so I think getting him in there just adds a little bit more to that, to that lineup, hopefully. But yeah, the the power does you nothing if you can't hit the ball,
0: you know? And that's why, you know, Jose Iglesias and Yonatan Daza have been two of our better hitters right now. mm -hmm. And, and that compact swing is a thing that helps uh, Brendan Rogers a lot is that Rogers has been hugely improved in the month of May. And a big thing is he's making good contact.
2: And and I'll let Mac hop on this too. You know, we hear so much about the dead ball this year where home runs aren't working for teams as much. You know, so not as many home runs because of the weird ball this they're use, apparently using this year. So you can't rely on home runs and whatnot. So you got to use that small ball.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. CJ Krohn is the NL leader in home runs at the time of this recording On Friday, before games have started, he's got 10 home runs, again, more than anybody else in the National League at this point, actually tied with Pete Alonso. but the Rockies are in fourth place. And, you know, it just goes to show that you can't just live on long balls. That was the name of the game for years in sort of the late 90s and early aughts that you know, home runs were the way to, to score uh, any sort of offensive uh, significance. And now it's just not, it's not where it's at, especially for a Rockies team that doesn't have the sort of power hitters that they used to. Nolan Arnato and Trevor Story, and even Troy Tulitsky and Hod Heldon, those guys are not on this lineup anymore. Ryan McMahon has some power for sure. And Brendan Rogers can, you know, run into one, but it's not like the Rockies are going to have three 30 homer hitters, mm-hmm. Right. Chris Bryant's obviously the odd man out here in this situation because he is a home run hitter who doesn't have any yet on the season. But I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but I kind of prefer Chris Bryant do what he did in April and be an average guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is batting average guy. I I like Chris Bryant more as a hitter that's going to spray the ball into the outfield for base hits and doubles than a guy that's going to hit 230 with uh, 29 home runs. You know what I mean? I think that that is something that might be a change he's been trying to implement. I don't know. That's just happened That's just happened to what i noticed in the first month of the season. But either way, this is not the power-hitting Rockies lineup that we've seen over the last few seasons. And that just goes into the change of the identity that they're looking for. They are a pitching and defense-oriented team when they want to be. <laughs> if they're playing at the level that they want to be, they are a pitching and defense-oriented team. They're not going to bludgeon you to death. Gone are the days of the games that the Rockies win 11-9. to nine, Right? We still get those. It happens. But that is not their M.O. anymore. The Rockies want to win games 3-1 to one or 4-2 to two on the backs of their solid defense and great rotation and good enough bullpen. Hasn't happened in the way that they wanted to recently, obviously, but that is what they want to do. And you know, guys like uh, Brendan Rodgers and Ryan McMahon are integral to that. Because they're going to do enough behind the or behind the plate, they're going to do enough at the plate, and do enough in the field to ensure those victories again mm-hmm. when everything's working properly, which it hasn't been recently. But you know, hopefully they'll figure that out. And
0: yeah. those are those are two really good players to bring up: C.J. Cron, Ryan McMahon, and then Brendan Rogers as well. Is that while we haven't seen a ton of home runs from this team in the month of May, those three hitters are hitting really well, where Brendan Rodgers, yes, almost every single game in May, uh, so, like he has nine multi-hit games in May, and CJ Cronin and Ryan McMahon both have like seven or eight. So they are not, you know, hitting home runs necessarily. CJ's only got three in the month of May and two are in the very beginning. But, you know, CJ's doing his work. He's getting on base every day. Ryan McMahon's mm-hmm. getting on base every day. Brendan Rogers is getting on base every day. Connor Joe, Jonathan Daza, Jose Iglesias. They come into the game and they get on base. And that is what is making them some of the most valuable hitters on this lineup so far. Our, our team leaders in war for position players are CJ Crone, Ryan McMahon, Connor Joe. And then surprisingly, number four for position players is Jonathan Daza. Yes, sir. And And he's doing the same thing of he's putting the ball in play. He's getting on base. Daza has like a 12-game hit streak at this point, and something like a 15-game on base streak. Mm-hmm. And if you, he's the truth, and man. that's a thing that's got to keep playing, and everybody's got to start getting into that of hitting home runs is awesome. When Randall Gritchik hit that home run against the Giants, that was great. Loved that, but he also needs to be able to get on base regularly as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and and that kind of really quick here before we wrap up on the road. The Rockies have roughly about 100 less hits on the road. They played seven less games on the road. Seven plus, about 10 less games on the road. And they have 20 less doubles. They have the same amount of triples somehow, which is weird. Interesting. They have 17 less home runs than at home. Only 36 RBI on the road as opposed to the 132 plus at home and then wow. 36 walks, uh, and they have 131 strikeouts. At home, they have 158 strikeouts and 75 walks, and they've only played you know, a handful of games more. But like you're saying...
1: What was the RBI again? Will you read the RBI so one at more time? At home, Sorry. they
2: have 132 plus RBI, factoring in this Mets series. And yep. on the road, they have 36.
1: They That's They've crazy. driven in 36,
2: they've scored 41 ro- runs on the road, as opposed to 100.
1: 100- of everything you just said, that's the stat for me. That's wild.
2: Yeah, 41 runs on the road, just 36 runs driven in. So it, it's, they need to score more on the road. Get hits, get on base. The Rockies shouldn't necessarily lead the league in home runs, but they should lead the league in doubles, at least. that's the I think that's the mark that they need to shoot for is, lead the league in hits and doubles Mm because start doing that with all that spacious outfield grass, get used to swinging for the gaps. I think that'd do
0: a a lot more because then
2: altitude doesn't really matter if you're not hitting it. Yeah.
0: There's, there's more than one kind of extra base hit. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly.
2: So plenty to do offensively. Hopefully by the time we record again, that we'll have some good news on that road trip (laughs) and it won't be depressing, but who knows? But best of luck to the Rockies as they go on the road and hopefully beat up on the Pirates and on the Nationals. Hopefully, and that one soda. I'd love to. I'd love runs. to
0: take a couple games away from the Mets here to finish up this homestand. Depending on if slash when games get played, it's uh it's cold and wet. Indeed. It is. Yeah, weather outside is not great.
2: Ooh.
0: But like yeah. they're expecting like five inches of snow before game time tomorrow all right for colorado
2: weather <laughs> right fun stuff but that's going to do it here for this edition of affected by altitude thank you so much for joining us uh mac where can the folks find you
1: yeah man so as always appreciate everyone listening uh just a quick you know affirmation that i love i love doing this stuff i'm very grateful to get the opportunity to do this so just, thanks for everybody listening into Scholar and everyone, as always but yeah i'm on twitter hit me up at cormac battle pro at c-o-r-m-a-c battle pro talk to me about pro wrestling or video games or the new uh chip and dale movie and baseball as always i'll do game reports tuesdays and fridays so always happy to talk chat about whatever chip and dale
2: uh Rescue Rescue Rangers.
0: Rangers. apparently that movie is actually pretty good you guys can be doing your outro. I'm just going to keep doing this. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and say you can find me on Twitter at, at Evan underscore Lang 27. I would love to hear from you. Uh, ask me about my cat, I guess. I don't know. Mac is always like, ask me about wrestling. Ask me about Kingdom Hearts. Ask me about Chippendale. And I'm like, I have a cat and a, and a full-time job and baseball. That, that's all I got. I'm not very exciting. Um, you can find me on Purple Row... With my Thursday Rock Piles, Uh, really happy with the most recent one I put out that's going to be kicking off a series exploring some of the uh, pitchers across the Rockies Farm system that are are really impressing me so far. Um, So this week I put up one about the Fresno Grizzlies. Next week we're doing Spokane. After that, Hartford, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Preview into that, um, Case Williams, Tyler Ahern, and uh, Joel Condrier all doing really well with Fresno and then I got game day coverage on Sundays and Skyler my friend where can the people find you at nowhere no they can find oh. me on
2: Twitter oh. at sideline underscore crowd um, you can <laughs> talk to me most about whatever you no know, movies TV see if you can get my Simpsons references I'll always talk those have uh, trailer baseballs mm. you no know, basically whatever I'm an open book about stuff. Yeah, you are. Uh, mullets, socks, whatever. Um, and then you can find me with my Sunday rock piles every week. Fun stuff. Uh, and then always catch all of us writing various news articles as stuff happens and whatnot on purpleroad.com. But again, thank you so much for joining us. That's going to do it for this week, and we'll see you next time. Uh, we'll hit it with everybody. One, two, yeah, three. Fair one. Ducktails. Woo! Nice <laughs> on. <laughs> nice on.
1: Amazing.